You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hello, welcome to episode 44 of the Aging Starts Now podcast. My name is Chris Johnson, and with me today is my partner, Barbara McGinnis. Uh, And we are here to talk about what happens if I don't have an estate plan. And Barbara, we see this almost every week, all too often. Uh, People come in after the fact or call in asking for help because a parent or a loved one passed away without a plan. Uh, A lot of times they come in and say, I need to get my affairs in order because they saw what a mess it can leave behind. And so uh, why uh, why don't I just put the question to you? What happens if someone dies without a will? Thanks, Chris. Um, you know, it depends, right? It depends on, on that person's actual estate. What happens without a will? Um, I think there's a lot of times well-meaning folks, they want, in the, they want to avoid probate. So in the effort to avoid the probate process, and I think we're going to have a podcast later on about what is probate, they, um, they do strange things. You know, they may add people to their bank accounts or titles to certain assets in, in the event to avoid probate. But what they're not thinking is the unintended consequences of those, of those actions. But if I die without a will, this is what people know, that they, the state has a plan for you. So state law is called intestate succession, as you know. And there is just this outline of what's going to happen to your things if you die without a will. Your will is really like a dear diary sort of thing. Now, it has to have magic language that um, to actually pass as a will. It has to be executed in a certain fashion. But a will is, is sort of just you telling the world how do you want your assets to go to whom should they go when you die? If you die without a will, the state has a plan for you. Depends on if you're married, what kind of percentage is going to go to your spouse, if you have children, if you don't have children, where assets are going to go. But in truth, it's it's a plan, but it may not be the plan that you want. I know sometimes folks come in and they think, well, I'm married and I only have one child, so I'm not worried about having a will because that's where I want my assets to go anyway. Well, you could make it a lot easier on them than just having this non-plan or non-planned out plan, right? It, it's really too bad because I, for one, like to be in control of almost everything I can possibly be in control of. And uh, the thought of dying without a will to direct the disposition of my assets and my estate just makes me sort of uh, nuts. Oh, it, it would make your skin crawl. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it really does because it, when you think about it, I, I think people, when they sit and think about it, they realize the enormity of 
having a will and those decisions, those are lifelong lasting decisions because you have passed on and you are going to affect your loved ones down the road with, and when they, they say, you know, your final words, it's your last will and testament on this earth. It's your final word. And when people say, well, I don't have a will, I like to retort back to them. You do. The government has provided you a will and you may not like it very much. And that's the the biggest misnomer is somehow, I think you, you mentioned it earlier that people will do kind of squirrely things thinking they can get around certain things. Maybe if I don't do a will, uh, I'm going to avoid certain things. And that's where a little bit of knowledge can be trouble because people will have just enough knowledge to be dangerous to themselves because they see a small piece of the puzzle, but they don't understand how it fits in the broader picture. And that can really cause problems. And I just, and I always puzzle over why would you not want to have a will in place? Is it because you're, you're afraid that if you create a will, it's somehow telling the universe that you're ready to die? Or if um, they don't want to, they don't want to pay the attorney fees, they think it's um, something that they can do without, or they take other sorts of shortcuts, like a handwritten will. Talk to us about how a handwritten will works, Chris. So a, a handwritten will, uh, also referred to as a holographic will, is basically the law allowing an individual to put down their final wishes and reduce them to writing uh, outside the scope of an attorney's representation. Uh, the problem with such a document is uh, executing a will, as you noted, there are formalities and there are there's magic language, as you so eloquently put. And when you try and do it on your own, the odds are you are going to fail at at least one, if not multiple places. Now, the court will want do its very best to want to find your testamentary intent. But the problem is you may just not be clear. And now you've got the court trying really hard to honor your wishes, but you just haven't cleared the necessary hurdles. And that can hurt more than not having a will at all because here you were thinking that your wishes, that these wishes were going to be honored and now they're not. And you may have told those individuals, hey, I, I, I left a, a will, I left some writing behind that it's going to be taken care of, uh, or you will be taken care of, you're going to receive such and such. And then maybe the court doesn't accept it for one or multiple reasons. And now you've not only left behind a mess, but you've left behind some disgruntled loved ones as well, and probably sown the seeds for a fight down the road, and, and that's no good for anybody. And so the cost-cutting measure of trying to do it yourself to avoid the professional representation has now become more costly in trying to repair or rectify um, this uh, do-it-yourself project. Uh, estate plans are just, n I don't think, or they're just not in a a do-it-yourself project. Another part of that that people don't realize oftentimes 
the document is just that. It's a document. It's a directive. So part of the estate planning process that we help folks with is the review of how assets are titled. Does it matter if your will says you want everything to go to your children, but uh, your beneficiary designations might say something different? Or if you forgot, no, just the other day, I was talking to someone and she's been working on updating beneficiary designations for four years. So she says, apparently not working real hard at it. <laughs> and uh, now the, the, the life insured, the person that the policy was on, passed away, and the beneficiary is her dead husband, who predeceased her by many years. They never changed it. She said, now what happens with that? And I said, well, you know, it's... It, it will work out, but it will, it'll be a deal and you might have to open probate on one or two people. So estate planning is not just documents. It is having correct documents in place, but there is more to it oh, and than on, that. On top of that, uh, the beneficiary designation forms, what happens to real property? What happens if they have a, a sole proprietorship business or, or a member of an LLC and where do the, the shares go? There's all sorts of other issues. And like you mentioned, the life insurance issues. Uh, and, and these things are fluid. Uh, I had someone who I, I did a document review for and they had a very good plan put in place, but the plan was 20 years old and it had trusts for minor children and the children were now all well-grown adults. And what they had laid out in that will was not the distribution plan they wanted now. And I remember distinctly uh, the, the client sitting across the table from me and I'm, I'm going over what things need to be changed. And they took the document, their estate plan, and just kind of shoved them in the center of the table. And they just said, well, Chris, are you telling me I spent all this money for nothing? And, and I said, no. I, I said, that plan served you well. It was there should anything have happened to you over the last 20 years. You had a good plan in place, but it, it's like buying a car. You buy a car, that car is not going to last your lifetime. It, it can last a long period of time if you take good care of it and, you know, a little bit of maintenance, making sure the documents reflect your wishes. But at some point, your needs and your planning goals change, and, and those documents need to be updated to reflect it. And she was very happy with that explanation and felt better about having to update it, understanding why that is. But these are documents that you need to make sure are, are accurately reflecting where you are in your life and what your planning needs and planning goals are as well. What surprises me in that story you just shared is that she could still find her original <laughs> old documents because a lot of times we hear folks lose these documents or they may know where they are, but once they're dead and the and the people left behind are trying to uh, do something with them, they don't know where they are. So what yeah. do they do, Barbara? So what what does the family do when they say, "We know we have, we know mom or dad had a will, and we cannot find it"? What are their options? Well, I, I, 
the court is going to assume that it is uh, that it was destroyed. You can actually admit a copy of a will if you can prove that it was not that the original was not destroyed with the intention of nullification. So if the copy still reflects the the testator's intent, you can you can probate a copy. Again, one of those things that can be done, it's not easy. And when lawyers say something's not real easy to do, they usually mean it's going to be expensive to fix. <laughs> That's code four. Code four, this is going to be expensive to try to fix. That's right. But more than wills, there's other things that we need to think about in our estate plan documents. Powers of attorney, both uh, durable general and health care. But, so what happens if I'm in an accident or I become incapacitated and I don't have a power of attorney document? Can my husband just make decisions and take care of our affairs? Well, and, and Barbara, you and I know the answer to that all too well. And the answer is they cannot. And it is a, a frustrating revelation for a lot of people to find out that their spouse just doesn't seem to have this inherent authority to make decisions on their behalf. It can be a stunning revelation. And what people don't realize is when you think about it, it makes sense. There are a lot of things that go into uh giving someone else the authority to make decisions on your behalf. And I've seen happily married couples as clients uh, who have said, you know what, I'm going to have one of my siblings or one of my children be the person to be the decision maker for healthcare. Because as we all know, in marriages, there's a whole variety of uh, different dynamics and reasons why to do one thing and why to do another. I had uh, one where one of the spouses was uh, had early dementia and they, they simply couldn't serve in that capacity. But those that legal decision-making authority, both the legal financial side and then the healthcare decision-making side, they need to be designated in writing in a valid healthcare power of attorney or durable general power of attorney. So the person that is asking for these decisions be made, and let's talk about a healthcare power of attorney. If I'm the hospital, if I'm the medical treatment facility, and I'm the nurse practitioner or the doctor or whoever, and I have an incapacitated patient. When I ask someone to make a decision on my patient's behalf, I need to have some assurance that this person has the legal capacity or has the legal right to make those decisions. Because if they don't, now the hospital and the uh, care provider, all those people are put in a very bad position legally. And so they need to see that in writing in a professional document that lays out the scope of the authority so that that person can be taken care of uh, and that the people, what we would call the third party reliance, that that third party can rely on that document and allow that person to make those decisions. And if you don't have those, what you are looking at is a conservatorship. And a conservatorship, I always use this example with clients. A power of attorney is like taking the copy and paste function in like Microsoft Word 
and you essentially highlight all the legal rights that the principal has and you copy and then you paste them on another person. So I've given my wife power of attorney. So I've highlighted my legal rights and I've pasted them on her so she can act or I can act. But when you go to a conservatorship, they're not going to use the copy and paste function. They're going to use the cut and paste function. And they are essentially going to take those rights away from you. And and courts are very reluctant to do that. Some situations are obvious, but we're, we're a very individual rights and freedom loving society. And a court will want to use the, the, the least invasive measure possible to rectify the situation. Not to mention that if we have family members disagreeing on courses of action, now that conservatorship is going to be contested. And it's like a custody fight, except instead of over a child, it's it's between mom or dad. You know, it's someone having custody over the parent. And the fight can get very ugly. And as you said, when an attorney says ugly or complicated, the other thing they mean is expensive, very right. Absolutely. I think we've kind of hammered that point home. You need you need your documents. You need a plan. And your documents are part of your plan. And it's worth investing. You as individuals are worth investing in your plan to make sure your wishes and your business can be carried out. It really is. It really is. When when it is one of those things, I, it's a little bit like homeowners insurance. You don't really think about it when you don't use it, but that time you need it, you are so very thankful that you had it uh, because it can fix a lot of what's going wrong just by having those things in place. And I, I wish more people understood that because it can save a lot of heartache down the road. And, and it's your life, especially the powers of attorney, that those are there to make sure you're taken care of while you're still living. And so I will tell people oftentimes that the power of attorney, those are going to be the two most important documents they're going to sign because they affect their life. The will, you know, the trust planning may uh, handle things after they pass, but those powers of attorney take care of them while they're alive. And you just, you need to get that done. So, well, I think you're right, Barbara. I think we have really hammered this point home. Uh, so thank you for joining me in this today in episode 44 of the Aging Starts Now podcast. Uh, look forward to our next episode where we're going to talk about the probate process and, and let you know what that is and how it works. So uh, for Barbara and I, thank you for joining us and we look forward to uh, having you listeners back in our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.